quiet, please. Now on the tee, two happy golfers. Grip it and rip it. Get in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, happy golfers. Well, there we go. The fourth major is done and dusted. Well done, Ricky Ponting. Oh, sorry, Brian Harmon. And I know Todd, being a lefty, <laughs> would be really proud with that result. Mate, there must have been something in the water for lefties because I heard you had a good round this weekend. Oh, mate, go the lefties. It was uh, great to see. Um, just a fun fact, he's only the third lefty to win the British Open or the Open in all its history. So 151 times it's been run and the third time a lefty's won it. Uh, quick trivia quiz, who are the other two, mate? Do you know? Well, there would have been Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson, 2013, yes. And I wouldn't know who the other one is. Oh, no. No, I'm not sure. Sir Bob Charles, New Zealander. Yeah, right. Won it in 1963. So um, something to do with the three. So 1963, 2013, 2023. So 2033. I'm putting the house on it. Put the house on a lefty. <laughs> Probably young Robert McIntyre after his performance um, in the last two weeks, I reckon. Yeah, Could be wow. a good chance. Yeah. Won't be me. I won't get there. <laughs> but uh, if it was me, yeah, you still wouldn't put your money on me, mate. <laughs> so, mate, yeah, you, had a good, you had a good weekend this week. It all clicked. Yeah, one of them rounds, mate, where it all clicked. Um Got off to a really nice steady start. Uh, Birdie the third with a nice little tap in. So anyone that knows the Murray course at Yarrawonga, the third she plays a bit of a decent hole. I was I hit a crack and second shot to that, and it was a dead set tap in for Birdie, and that sort of got me started until I bogeyed the fourth, and then um, yeah, I just played steady golf. Mate. I ended up Birdie in the sixth, which is uh, was a good Birdie, and then I knocked it stiff on the eighth par three, picked up the nearest to pin as well, so a double banger. <laughs> And uh, made that putt from about two and a half feet. So, yeah, no, I was hitting the ball pretty solid, mate. I was happy. Far out. You were thinking, get me over there to British Open, mate. I'll show them how it's done. Oh, no. <laughs> I was playing a little bit there. I was playing, make a birdie, give it back, playing by the rules. So I'd give it straight back the very next hole. But then I sort of started to hang on to it. Uh, birdied eight, pard nine, pard ten. I went pretty well, pard most of the back nine. Uh, dropped a shot at the par three. Uh, 13th, the long par three, hit four iron to that. Was a was a great shot. I hit the green, just didn't hang on to the green. Um, went over slightly on the back on the on the little hills there, and I hit a really good chip shot. And I hit a really good putt, just didn't and just walked off with the four. It was unlucky. Um, but um, I just hung in there, made some good up and downs coming in, and ended up burning the last for a nice little one under. Yeah, nice. So was that's, that's great effort. Why is it always when we make a birdie, we give it back so easy sometimes, don't we? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like one of them I gave back, the one on the seven after birdie in six, which is six as a bonus, was a four-pointer, get a shot there. And um, and seven, I actually really hit a really good shot. Second shot in, I thought it was close and got up there and um, I was actually about 25 feet away and just misread the first putt and um, hit a good second putt, just didn't go in the hole. Uh, so, yeah, greens were running pretty quick, uh, but they were a little bit bumpy, the soft grass and spike marks everywhere. And I, I swear it hit something. It is what it is. Missed the hole. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how it goes. What did uh, we say back yeah. in those episodes ages ago, mate? We've got to remember those good shots, remember? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, and that's so. what I did. I just stayed pleasant. I mean, the goal was to go on um, – I think I had a, uh, a flag dropping off at 5.4. 
And the goal was to try and match that or better it. Um, I bettered it, which was fantastic. Um, the thing that annoyed me was my GA was going into the day was 4.3. Um, got me card. My card said three. And I'm like, well, you've already taken a shot off me. And then checked the differential at the end of the round later that night, looking to see a minus something on there, and I end up with a 0.0. And I thought, I've gone one under. I was the only bloke on the course that actually played the handicap or better. No one else yeah. on that course had 36 or more points. You know, So I've had 40 points, and I've beaten the course by a shot, and the course rated another shot easier. Yeah, right. I hate that. You I know? don't understand how, how – yeah, I don't understand how the handicap system works sometimes with that. As you just said, you know, you're the only person that's beaten your handicap and it's rated one less. Yeah. i got no idea. I actually expected to put to see a – because you're looking at the leaderboard and there's no one else even making 36 points. I'm thinking, this is going to flag really well. This is mm. going to flag better than, you know, minus one. I was actually thinking a minus 1.4 or something like that. And then I looked it up and it was a 0 0.0 and I just was flabbergasted, mate. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was actually deflated a little bit. I'm like, you know, when you have that really good round and you're like, beauty, that's really going to anchor me down for a while. Oh, yeah. It's just that one extra shot that's not there, you know. <laughs> I so. worked hard for that one shot and you've just taken it off for some reason I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah, so it feels like they took two off you. You know, mm, took one off no, at the start exactly. and then took another one off at the end. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. No, that's that's beyond me, mate. I don't understand how they yeah, how they come to those results. Yeah, and especially the conditions, you know, no runs, you know, cold, ball didn't go very far. Um, it's a, a different story if 15 guys all shoot 36 points or better. I could understand that. But only one guy shot over 36 points and that was me. Mm -hmm. So in the whole field, yeah. Didn't make sense at all. All hail the king. Mate, daylight second. <laughs> but it's good when those days come together. You know, oh. It was just a good relaxed day. I hadn't played with those fellas before that I played with. Um, and um, yeah, they were saying afterwards they were impressed with how I played. And, and yeah, I was actually impressed with how I played on the day. It was just pretty steady golf. Yeah, you know, nice. I think I hit 12 fairways and 12 greens, made four birdies, three bogeys. So... But Pretty solid those stuff. Are the, those are the rounds we sort of we practice for. We do all this stuff. So when it actually does click, you're like, well, it, you know, it makes sense to, like, it it makes it worthwhile to put all that time in on the range and all that time working out to to get those good rounds because it just nothing beats a good round. You come home happy. You're you're happy for the whole weekend, and your whole demeanor is just awesome. You know, you feel great. Yeah, and I tell you what did help was we had a two group gap at the start. Where the people didn't didn't show up, and we had no one behind us, so we never saw the group in front. We were never delayed, and we never got pushed from the group behind. So it was a good cruisy day. We just went at a steady pace. I didn't find myself rushing and slowing down or anything like that. I stayed pretty constant throughout the whole day, which was a, a big advantage, um, you know. And it was a pretty benign sort of condition day. It was was cool, but it didn't rain. It wasn't windy. Um, so yeah, no, it was was good. What yeah, about you, nice mate? Stuff. You had the second round of your club champs. Yeah, awesomes. we did. Yeah, did you, so, who let who down this week? Well, we were going all right. We were, we played pretty steady. Um, Gordy must have looked himself in the mirror, mate, and woken up because he he played a bit better this week. But then we the worst part was we were cruising along, and then about the sixteenth hole, mate, we're we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. We're like, oh, if we birdie here, and then we got seventeenth to par five. If we birdie that, that's not a bad score. Like that would have been about mid seventies. So Gordy hits one down sixteen perfect middle of the fairway 
I prefer it onto a bit of Parramatta grass. And um, I just, well, I drop my left shoulder and I just chunk it and it just rolls straight down. And then about 50 meters in front of me is just the water. And I put it straight into the water. <laughs> I'm like, well, we jumped the gun there. So there that goes. So Gordy goes down there, takes a drop. He hits it fat, puts it straight into the water. <laughs> like, oh, wow, what's going on? Um, so then I'm just laughing. And it took about uh, a couple of minutes. I took the drop. And then I'm thinking, Mate, I've got to get over the water now. Like, it's not far. It's We had it 98 to the green, but I'm just thinking, don't put this in the water. And then, um, yeah, I hit it at the back of the green and we ended up making another eight there. So we had an eight in the first round, eight in this round, and then we're like, oh, well, we hung in there most of the day this time. But, um, yeah, it wasn't. I think we finished We finished with 80. So, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was too bad. So we a played pretty shots, well. A couple of shots better than the week before, at least. That was good. Yeah. Up until that point, so we were playing uh, a bit more steady. No, no real big numbers until that hole all day. So we sort of made a few birdies, and I think bogey was the worst score we had up to then too. So yeah, right, which is pretty good in foursomes. I guess with my round, mate, that was one good thing. Was I always knew where I was at. I was I was always in front of the card. Um, never got behind the card, um, and all the way to the thirteenth, where I got into even, and I, I just I didn't even think about going better than. Even, mm-hmm. I just kept saying to myself, in the back of my mind, beat five. Like I've only got five to go. Don't screw this up. Just beat five. That's what's dropping off a five point four. You know, yeah. and, and you'll come down. And in the end, I just yeah got up and down on the next for a par. Um, two putt par on the next. Uh, got up and down on the next one for a par. Two putt par on the next, and then and birdied the last. It was like, you know, I was just cruising, and even to the point where there was three to go. I'm thinking. Still got three to go, mate. You're still even with even with the card, or you know, even with the card, three to go. You you got shots to play with now. Just stay stay aggressive, or just keep doing what I was doing all day. Didn't didn't change my demeanor at all. And we we spoken about that before about getting ahead of yourself, or all of a sudden looking at different angles and different things and changing the way you go about it. And that's what brings you undone. And I can honestly say that I just stayed completely in the moment. um, Took every shot on its merits. And to be honest, anyone that's seen my glove, the writing of the letters on my glove, the the CAN, the commit, accept, and next, and I pretty much lived by that, and I was pretty proud of myself doing that on the weekend, and it actually paid dividends. Um, I got another little tip during the week. I'm not going to share it yet because it's um, from someone that we're going to get onto one of the podcasts, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I tried to implement that, and it was a little putting tip, and I, I implemented that as best I could, and to be honest, it it actually paid off. It, it worked really well for me, and I think I'll be sticking with it. But we'll talk more on that when the time when comes. It comes up. Yeah, but you just said on the on your handicap there. So, and we've said that before too. Like, look at the look at the flag that you've got to beat, and you'll be surprised how much more wiggle room. And then you're probably more relaxed because you think I can beat a five. That's higher than my handicap that I've got now. So you feel more relaxed on what you can do, and then you end up shooting a better score than that as well. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened, mate. I was just thinking, you know, like beat five, I'm supposed to play to three. I'm thinking, well, if I can play to three, I'm going to beat five. So mm-hmm. um, when three to go and I'm even par and I'm thinking, okay, well, at worst, play to the handicap here, you know what I mean? And I kept plugging away. I probably didn't didn't stay as aggressive as I was early in the round. I was, you know, but mentally I didn't, I didn't feel like – Mentally I didn't feel like I was starting to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think about protecting. I just kept thinking about just keep playing. 
I knew I was hitting the ball good. I was hitting the driver well, um, hitting hitting pretty much every club well, and I just had a good swing going and, and committed. And to be honest, I'd putted really well up and well all the way through, really. And and I just kept saying to myself, "You're putting well. Give yourself chances." I had to make a couple up and downs, um, which and I managed to do that by making you know those four foot, five foot putts that sometimes you can miss. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going in, and I put that back again to this little little tip that we'll talk about in another podcast with the putting. Um, but yeah, and it seemed to work, and it's something I'll stick with. So it was good. Yeah, nice. All right, bud. Well, let's get into the big weekend, eh? The British Open. The big open, mate. Brian Harmon, golfer of the year, twenty twenty three. That was pretty good, eh? I thought it was well done. Obviously, like to get that big of a lead for him, um, you know, put him in a comfortable position after round two. So that worked out pretty handy. Yeah, but he was. He was the best golfer or most consistent golfer for the all four rounds, really. At the end of the day, like he started four under with his first round. He was one behind um, Tommy Fleetwood and the young amateur. What about the young amateur? What do you think of him? He's about eight foot tall. He's a tree, that guy. I remember seeing him. I'm like, well, this guy's massive. And you see him like just in the bunkers and he just looks like he's standing in a little divot. Yeah, well, he was using um, uh, Wyndham Clark and, and Ricky Fowler's length putter and it looked like it was a – 34-inch putter in his hand. <laughs> so he was a tall, tall fella, uh, tall, strapping young guy. He can um, send the ball as well. He, he hits it a mile. He could. He could, but I could see also where he, he's going to come unstuck. He's got a funny little hitch in his swing there that could, you know, if it doesn't all line up, he's going to be out of whack, um, you know. And I reckon that's come from being that tall and playing with non-fitted clubs for a long time. You could see that he dipped down to the ball in his driver swing. Driver's the one club that they've got a standard on, can't be any longer than 46 inches. So, you know, you could see that little hitch in his swing to compensate for being so tall. And I think if he doesn't time that, you know, get that all lined up at the right time every time, then he's going to find find it difficult. Mm. So he's gone 66 the first day and then makes a cut on the number the next day. Yeah, eight over on the second day. Welcome back. Golf, Tw- eh? 24 Golf. hours in golf is a long time. <laughs> And and all the immediate attention he was getting after round one, like an amateur leading, that can it be? Can you win this week? Can you, and he would have had cameras all over him that he's not used to, and it would just would have been, it's a big step to take, isn't it? Yeah, overwhelming, mate. It probably was a relief for him to not a relief. That's probably not the right word, but the fact that he made the cut, he deserved to make the cut based on his first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but being that far down, it was probably a relief that he could just go back and play golf and just enjoy it. You know what I mean? He was the only amateur to make the cut, so he, he picked up that gong, the silver trophy, the silver medal straight away. Um, I wonder so with that, what would you want? Would you want to shoot like your second round in the first round so you're sort of not in the talking point and then shoot that the first round in the second round, you know what I mean? Like the other way around. But, I mean, at least this way it gave him a bit of publicity and stuff like that, but we wouldn't have talked about him if he did it the other way around. But do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, probably not. He's probably just the only amateur to make the cut if he does it the other way around. He mm-hmm. didn't get, wouldn't have drawn any headlines at all, um, you know, but the way he did it the other way around, you know, and good on him. I mean, in the last round there, I watched him on the 17th and um, he was geeing up the crowd to clap, clap, clap before he's swinging. You know, it looked like almost like a live tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and he, the marshals are holding up the quiet police on and the players are sitting there going, no, more clapping, more clapping, more cheering, more cheering. It's like, oh, the poor marshal didn't know what to do. Could he so, be a new sign-on for live, mate? Oh, and then he pumped it over the back of 17. It was like, oh, what are you doing in there? <laughs> quite, and please, he, quite. <laughs> no, no. And, it, and he actually got up and down from over the back, made a, I don't know, 20-footer for par. 
and wow. they went berserk again. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was good. He was having a ball in the last round, and I guess yeah, no pressure, no pressure golf. No, exactly. What about um? What an experience from Matthew Jordan. We spoke about him last week. The local boy hitting the the opening tee shot for the event. What a what a cool experience that would have been. Yeah, and he nearly took out a spectator when he hit it. I think that shot. It, but um, good on him. He was a bit nervous because he backed off, and then he went again. Yeah, you know, and as you would be like, yeah, you know, it's your home track, but you haven't seen it the way you've seen it today on that day. And yeah, it would have been a uh, that's a big sort of you know how many people are watching you right now. Yeah, and he had a good week too. He played really well. Um, you know, he was the early clubhouse leader at minus two in the first round and then backed it up with a, a 100 in the second round and then he made the cut easily and he, he just played pretty steady golf. Um, good on him. It was well done. He uh, he was four-time club champion there or something during his mm-hmm. time. So probably the bloke with the most experience around the course, but as we sort of said, not not in those conditions, I guess. Yeah, exactly right. No, that's it. And, yeah, the course would have been set up completely different to what it is to their normal day-to-day game, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of the course, it probably didn't quite play like you and I thought it would um, th- from the review last week. Uh, mm. Not too many people took on the uh, the fourth, the drivable risk-reward hole. I know Cam Smith took it on in the first round. I was probably one of the only guys I saw actually take it on. Um was down and and it was downwind. So if they weren't going to take it on in round one downwind, then you knew straight up that they weren't going to take it on at all. It's yeah, that was the best day to do it, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Cam Smith has said I was about the only guy that did actually have a dip, and he hit it in the left hand rough, oh, forty meters from the green. It was an easy up and down. I think I'm not sure if he made birdie or par, but never got into too much trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the trouble really out there was was the pot bunkers. If you could avoid them pot bunkers, which uh, Brian Harmon did for most of his rounds. Um, he made a beautiful par on, I think it was the second round. He drove it into the pot bunker. That was the only bunker. He hit it out backwards. That was the only bunker he found all week. So they say that sort of helped him to the win. And they say, you know, when, I think when Tiger won as well, I think he only hit maybe one bunker or maybe even none because they're so, you get penalized so much for hitting them in there, especially right up against the face, as we saw a lot of people do that as yeah. well, you know. So. So yeah, he, he, made an unbelievable, he, he made an unbelievable par, the one bunker he hit it in, and he actually hit it backwards and then um, come up just short of the green for his third and chipped it in for a par. It was like, you could say that's luck, but still, you know, Jeez. no one else was doing it. He was putting the eyes off everything though, wasn't he? Absolutely. He had the speed every day. He had the speed of the greens, which was absolute bonus because, you know, they weren't always easy greens, but to be able to, he had so many stress-free tap-in pars. Um, or even stress-free, if you can call them stress-free, bogeys, where he wasn't pressed you know, for a four-footer to make bogey. Mm. All of his second putts were, were pretty much tap-ins, mate. Yeah. You know? And I don't think he, I think he missed one putt that was um, inside 10 foot that, that, that he had all, all, all week. weekend. Yeah. yeah, and I think he had one so. three-putt as well. So, you know, in those yeah. sort of conditions, that's, and when you've got that big of a lead as well, when you do that, yeah, you're pretty hard to beat. When you're not giving yeah. much back to the field, like there was a little bit there early on where we thought he was coming back a bit, but he sort of steadied the ship and kept on sailing. Yeah, like a lot of the guys that were um, that were trying to catch him, apart from John Rahm there, but until the last round, but even the the round three, you know, a few players were making a move, but they'd get to a certain point, and then all of a sudden they'd start dropping shots again and um, sort of take that pressure away. 
in round three, and no one really caught him in round three except for John Rahm with that unbelievable 63 in the third round. What a, what a move that was. Oh, yeah, that was just a crazy round, mate. You know, eight birdies, no bogeys. Lowest just score of the good week. golf, yep. Yeah, that was really awesome. You know, another cool thing was um, Alex uh, Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick, brother, made the cut with him on the same. Yeah, made the cut and then uh, bettered his brother. Yeah. So, they did yeah. say that he's meant to be the better player, but he was going to finish college and stuff first. So we'll, I'm sure we'll see a bit more of him coming coming up in the future. Yeah. And, he, you know, like every time I saw him, mate, he was just enjoying himself. He was smiling and laughing. And every time I saw him, he was just stress-free golf and just going about and he, he was having a ball, you know. So bit unlike his brother, every time you look at his brother, Matt Fitzpatrick, he's got his notebook and his pencil in his hand and his head down walking along, taking he's notes. Got, he's got the expectation so, now, mate, as a US Open champ, that guy. So, Yeah, you know. I think he needs to take a leaf out of his brother's book and just have a look around and enjoy it. And just relax. Wave to the crowd a little bit. So we'll, so we'll talk about the fourth, though. We didn't think they played that the way we thought. But another one that surprised me was how they played the third. A lot of irons just to the corner, not cutting the corner there. I was really surprised with that. Yeah, me too. No, I don't think anybody cut the corner. I don't think mm. anybody really took it on all week. Um, you know, they were just intent on hitting it to the corner and then hitting a long iron in. So, but I guess you and I, that's why we're sitting in this chair and they're out there playing golf, mate. Yeah, that's it. Another, you know? actually, one of the strangest holes that I thought where you saw some big numbers was 18. There were some big numbers there early on in the week. A couple of balls went OB on 18. Mm. Yeah, for there sure. Was nine, there was a nine, there was a 10. Um, so yeah, I was I was surprised with how hard that was playing in the first few days. Well, even seventeen as well. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but seventeen bit a few of them. It bit Tommy Fleetwood it uh, in the last round, but it bit Lucas Herbert in the second round. He was cruising. Uh, I think it was maybe in the first round. Maybe the first round it uh, it, it bit him real hard. He made a six, I think, and uh, really dropped down the pack and never really recovered. The the back of that green in the Gunda there, mate. It was. Um, a bit full on, wasn't it? It was a lucky dip to see what your lie was like. I saw Fitzpatrick. I think it was he hit. So he hit his first there. Then he hit because it's kind of got like the um, the pot bunker face on it. So then he yeah. hit it straight into the wall. Came back, hit another one into the wall, and then the only shot he had was to the right of the green. So then that had to go in the bunker as well. So I think yeah. he made a six early on as well, and that that was right near the that was on the second day. Yeah, there was a few of them that just made a mess of that hole for the shortest and, again, the shortest hole on the course. Mm. Right, played one of the hardest holes for the whole week. And I think if um, if the leaderboard was closer, I think that hole would have played a bit more, uh, a lot harder than what it did coming home more, down the stretch. A bit more dramatically. A bit more yeah. dramatic, yeah, that's the word yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. Would have squeezed them a little bit, yeah. But and, um, it just goes to show, they talk about lengthening the course and lengthening the course and shortening the distance of the golf ball and all the rest of it, but the shortest hole on the course was probably the most troublesome hole for mm-hmm. for the week. It's a great addition, that hole, like, to what they've done to it. And as you said, it sits up a bit higher and, um, yeah, one of the hardest holes on the course. Yeah, and we really didn't have any wind to speak of. We didn't yep. really have the normal sort of winds. I know we had the rain. And, again, Brian Harmon, uh, to his credit, mate, you know, he kept the ball out of the, the wispy grass in the rain, kept it on the fairway. Uh, it just made it look so much easier than a lot of the other guys that were just chopping it out of the, the long grass all the time, especially when it was wet. You know, there was – um. There was a few instances there where you just didn't know how far it was going to go and where it was never going to stop out mm-hmm. of that stuff. you know. But it's, most of the time, it was interesting to me that most of the time that they could get a club on the ball, 
you know, most of them got a club on the ball. It wasn't too penalising. It, it looks worse than what it probably is in there, um, but it wasn't the penalty that the bunkers were for sure. Yeah, I think the bunkers, the bunkers bring the penalty into the course. The long rough, at least you can sort of whip it out through there. Like it looked a bit, it looked very thin. The sort of long fescue grass that it had. Yeah, there was there was one shot. I don't know if you were saying it. There was a shot there with Scotty Scheffler. I think it was on the um, might have been the sixteenth. And he blocked his drive that far right that it pulled up just short of the hospitality area. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking that is so far offline that on any other holes where that out of bounds was in play down the right side, he's that far out of bounds. It's not funny. Yeah, How right. he came up with that shot, and of course, then he gets full relief, gets direct line to the green. You know, didn't hit a great shot. He ended up making a bogey, but um, sitting there going like, why isn't that out of bounds? Mm. Like I you think know, they like could make the course a lot harder if they did. Like you know, out of bounds left on the on the 18th as well. Like trim the out of bounds lines, and that could make it a bit tricky. I know if you get 50 kilometer hour winds and stuff, that's going to make it very like nearly impossible. So maybe that's probably why. Yeah, you know, even a lot of the tee shots on the first going in behind the the camera tower or the, or the stand, uh, in around the fencing area there. Like they're lucky that that wasn't considered out of bounds because there was a lot of tee shots that ended up over there. Especially um, on the first day. Like the first day when I'm watching it, I think it took six groups for someone to hit the first fairway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we I'm spoke like, what, about what the, are we watching here? We spoke about the start. No one could, yeah, didn't realise it was that tough a start. No. You know, the first and the second. Yeah. It didn't really ease up. And I think everyone birded the the fifth. It was um, it was crazy that that hole was, that was just the, you know, I think Brian Harmon, to his credit, on round three, he bogeyed one, he bogeyed four, but then he birdied five and birdied nine. Like Any time you birdie the par threes is a bonus. Yeah. You know? But he sort of conceded the fact that, even in the last round, conceded the fact that he was going to make a bogey somewhere in the first four holes, but he had a really good chance of getting it back on the fifth. You know, Just unfortunately, in the last round, he birdies two and he bogeys five. So I don't know, you know, don't know how he, he managed to do that. Gets off to a hot start the day before and then the next day he's like, Probably a bit of nervous then. Yeah. Nerves start yeah. kicking in. But, yeah, I think he just picked his way around the course, mate. He had a plan. I think he played to his plan. And um, a bit like when Tiger won it, you know, he had a plan not to hit driver, just hit them stingers and three woods and plan worked. And so. I'd, I'd be interested how many people sort of backed him. Like, he'd been playing so well all year. Like, he was up there with the US Open. Um, you know, he's not he, – well, I wasn't thinking that he was going to come through, but now you sort of – you look at it and you think, well, why not, obviously, but – um. Yeah, he's obviously had a great week, and it's all clicked together. Yeah, and he's got a great uh, majors record, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So he's always up there or thereabouts in the majors. So he plays really well in the majors. Sort of player that can just turn it on. Um, but I think sort of player too, where the course really needs to come to him as a player. He's not the longest guy out there, um, and the course needs to come to him a little bit. I don't see him overpowering too many golf courses like some of the other guys. So when he does get that course that really suits his eye or the course comes to him, then, yeah, he's a hard guy to beat because he's, he's like a bulldog. And it and it did make it sort of boring because he had such a big lead because we want all that sort of drama and stuff. And if you take him out of the picture, which we obviously can't, but, geez, it would have been a tight leaderboard if, if he wasn't there. Yeah, well, it turned out that way. There was, mm. uh, what was it, one, two, three, three of them stuck at seven under. When um, Seb Stracker, Jason Day, Tom Kim. Tom Kim had a great round in the last day. Um, you know, four under for a bloke on one leg. So 
twisted his ankle on the second round, played the third round and the, and the fourth round with a little bit of a limp. Um, and then, yeah, McElroy and um, Emilio Grillo on six, uh, along with Fleetwood and then Cameron Young dropped out of it at the end on four. So it would have been a tight race if it wasn't for Brian Harmon out there at 13 under. So. And I've, I've heard a few people say, yeah, say it's boring because he had such a big lead, but I think it just shows you how great he did play and set himself up in a position where he can just not relax, but he he did all the work in the first two rounds. So that built, him, built the foundation to keep moving forward. Yeah, well, you look at um, John Rahm's round in the third round, like it wasn't wasn't playing any differently to round two or, or round one in the third round, really. There was a little bit of rain in in round two, but um, not like round round four was pretty wet. It was always mm. going to be hard to catch in that sort of condition. He had to come back to the field and he just wasn't. But John Rahm, like, eight under, mate. You know, he struggled. Up, he struggled the first two days. Mm. You know, was the difference just in the putter? I don't think so. I think the difference was in he just hit the ball better and I think he – probably sort of said to himself from so far back, my plan's not working. I think he changed his plan and went a little bit more aggressive with driver and played to his strength, which is his cut, you know, because I noticed on the first tee and the first day he hit a draw and I'm thinking, well, that's not like him. You know, he'd normally stand there and hit a cut. Yeah. you know, I think so in the by the time round three came around, it wasn't whatever he was doing wasn't working and he went back to hitting real hard power fades and, you know, all of a sudden was hitting greens and started scoring. Yeah, exactly he played his right. natural game, like we're talking no, that's about. It. So I've got a, I've got a clip here that I heard online, and it's a bit a bit from his interview. And I want to want you to tell me what you think about it. You know, I've always had uh, self belief that that I could do something like this. It was just, you know, when it takes so much time, you know, it's hard not to let your, you know, your mind falter. Like, you know, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old. Game's getting younger. All these young guys coming out, you know, hit it a mile, and they're all ready to win. Like, when is it going to be my turn again? And um, it's been it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I, I I think someone mentioned that I've had more top tens, more top tens than anyone since 2017. So that's a lot of times like where you get done, and you're like, damn it, man! Like I had that one. I, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So. Um, yeah, to, to come out and put a performance like that together, like start to finish, you know, just just had a lot of control. I, I don't know why this week, but I, I'm very thankful that it was this week. I love that sort of, you know, and that kind of goes for all of us. Obviously, we're not winning a British Open and stuff, but it can all just click in one time, can't it? You know, like all that hard work that we've done, it can just all sort of come together one week or one day. Yeah. That's right, mate. That just goes to show. Like, like he said, he's had more top tens since 2017 in the majors than anyone else. So he's there or thereabouts, you know, and he's just – obviously he just found the belief and, um, and you know, that, that came through this week. He, he got himself in front and just believed that, it's, hey, this could be my time. Just keep going. Why not? Why not me? Again, the old hmm. Michael Block, why not me? Why yeah, can't exactly. it be me? You and know, that's what so. I think Think I liked about it is, you know, I'm big on sort of motivation stuff and all that. So I think that, you know, to for him to sort of, yeah, to keep trying, keep going, like how many times we have a bad round, I'm like, oh, far out, what are we, what am I practicing for? What am I doing all this for? Like, you know, we're out here to have fun too, but yeah, it, it can click. You know, it can click. In yeah. A, one mean, day you can just wake up and it can all happen. Mate, my golf this weekend is a perfect example. 
You know, mm. how many times have I gotten on the phone to you going, mate, I feel I'm so close. So I just – and I got off to a good start, but then I let it slip and it was like, you know, and and this week it just didn't. And it was almost – I played golf like I was in a trance, you know. Yeah. Nothing was going to bother me and I'll just get there just playing golf. And I said to you, I can go out and practice rounds and shoot three and four under in a practice round. And it's like, well, why can't you do that on the weekend? Well, you can, mate. You just you just got to let it come, not Brian force Harman. it. Brian Harmon entered you this week. Oh, it's just, it must have just been a left lefty synergy, mate. That's so it. The lefty synergy was working this week. And the, yeah. for a small moment in time, the, the earth spun the other way around or something, you know. I did I did feel a little dizzy on Saturday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all in all, mate, I think, I think that was a great way to finish the year. Yeah, the fourth major, well done to him. I think this might just be a start of, you know, like who knows if he wins more majors or anything, but I think it sort of puts him in a talking point of, you know, you've got to pick him for the Ryder Cup, surely, don't you? Oh, I would think so, mate, yeah. You, yep. can't, win a, you can't win a major and not get looked at. I'll tell you who you're not picking for the Ryder Cup, Justin Thomas. Oh, I've seen his name come up. and I, you, If they pick him, that's not fair to anyone else. He, he's been pretty woeful all week all year sorry he needs to get onto the two happy golfers podcast and start enjoying life again because i think he's in a he's in a dark space at the moment with his golf Mm -hmm. you know he's unlike him to be playing that bad for such a long time it just goes to show everyone goes through it so when you start playing bad you know it's like oh what am i doing wrong i'm doing this i'm doing that it's just you just at some point got to stop and hit the reset button you know, and I think for you and I, it's and the opposite when you're playing well, you feel like you want to play more, but you know, we we're not that lucky. We get to play once a week if we're lucky. You know what I mean? So um, hard to go and play more, and you just got to take one week at a time and say, well, I played good last week. There's no guarantee I'm going to go and do the same next week. Mm. You just got to take it as it comes. So the joy, the joy of golf, eh? If you if you go 85 or something next week, you're like, what the heck? Yeah, but <laughs> that's hey, why, it, it that's can why we love the game. That's why we love the game so much because it is such a challenge to get it all right going, and we enjoy those good days, don't we? Or just those, even those good shots for some people off higher handicaps. You know, there's one good shot that brings you back. Yeah, no, so. it was um, it was a good week. I liked it. Right, mate. In saying that, we had a competition this week. We were doing a British Open giveaway on both our Instagram and our Facebook page. We're going to pick one winner. So that one winner, we've picked that one winner, and we're going to announce that one winner right after our promo ad for our giveaway sponsor. Hey, 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 happy golfers. Would you like to golf every day but haven't got time to get to the course or the range? Then why not set up at home with the Net Return Australia system? As used by World Long Drive champion Kyle Berkshire and PGA pros like Bryson DeChambeau. Whether you want to hit balls or set up your own in-house simulator, check out the full range at thenetreturnaustralia.com.au. And the guys at the Net Return have set up a Happy Golfer discount just by using promo code HAPPYGOLFERS. You'll receive a 10% discount at checkout. So our winner for the golf ball, the Titleist Golf Balls, the... Happy Golfers Ball Marker, the the Net Return Glove, and this is all thanks to the Net Return, obviously, is on Instagram, Poltz. So, Poltz, if that's you, mate, if you could email, uh, if you can send us a DM on Instagram and we'll send that out to you. And just quietly, if you're one of Poltz's mates, um, don't tell him. 
just see if he reaches out on his own because if Pulse doesn't reach out within a week by the time we drop the next podcast, then we're going to do a redraw and rerun another competition. So that's the way it works here. You've got to listen to the podcast to uh, to cash in on your prize. But thanks and- thanks to everyone that entered. Um, you know, hopefully you jumped online and you've had a look at the net return and checked out their products as well. Dave, you've picked up one of the nets and you've posted some videos. How's that going? Mate, this weekend I was off a bit early and it was dark. So I thought, stuff it, it's in the garage. I will pull. I was up early watching the golf and then the golf finished. So I pulled the car out and um, I just started hitting balls in there about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, and it was great. So had a shower, then went to the golf club and I'm like, I feel good now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So it's get, it's getting a workout because I'm just hitting, you know, 50 to 100 balls in it. And I haven't hit that many balls for a long time because, you know, by the time you finish work, you don't want to, you want to hit balls, but then you don't want to go pick them up. So it's just great to have one in the garage and just hit them into the net and, all right, that'll do me for 15, 20 minutes and I'll call it a day. Yeah, good 15, 20 minute workout, mate. Mm. Hitting balls is awesome. No, that's it. So cool. Um, we got any stories this week, mate? We do, mate. Yeah, if you've got a story for us, um, just record it on your phone and send it to us in an email at Two happy golfers at gmail.com and uh, we'll play it on the podcast if it's funny or if it's um, yeah anything golf related, really. Funnier the better. Absolutely. So we got this one here this week. Dave, there's also one I quite love. Uh, now, we've got a little mate of ours out at Glenmore who, like me, after 40-odd years of playing golf, maybe maybe a bit longer, Still hasn't had a hole in one, and it's uh, we all know each other, right? You know, we're on each other's Christmas card lists, and we strike anyone that has a hole in one off our Christmas card list. It's the uh, holy grail for golfers, and maybe we'll get there one day. But anyway, our 18th hole out of Glenmore is a par three, and it's up a hill over water, and so kind of from the tee, you can't see the see the see the playing surface or the putting surface, I should say. You can see the flag, you can see the bunkers. You can know you're on the green, but you really can't see your ball. On the green at all and uh regularly our groups you know we play back to back to back you know the group of guys we all hang with and um usually the first group finished will um do their scorecards and grab a beer and sit at the back of the green and wait for their mates to come up and watch and we did this with one day and uh one of our guys who like me has another hole in one and we like to stir a little bit um he hit a really good shot in there must have been in closer to you know inside a meter um, looked great and uh, I thought it would be hilarious as it was in the air and it landed come to, me to get all the guys to really hoop and holler as if it had gone in. Yeah, baby, oh, well, well done, mate. And we were really effusive in how much you know applause we did, you know, unbelievable. Now, as you walk off the tee there and come around the dam and over a bridge and up the hill, there is a moment where you basically disappear, um, go through some gum trees and you can't really see the green and the green can't see you. And it was at that moment that I uh, decided that I'd race down there, mark his ball with a five-cent piece about 70 centimetres from the hole and throw his ball in the hole. And we continued to give him false encouragement all the way up the hill. He's still disbelieving a little bit, but he, he could see as he got, you know, within 70 metres and 60 metres and 50 metres and was sort of craning his neck looking for his ball. And everyone's going, it's in, mate, it's in. Um, and as he crested the rise where he could finally see it and, and not see it, it's probably more to the point. He could see the elation appear on his face. Now, as he as he gets to the fringe of the green, there's a few mutterings close to me going, man, you got to tell him, you got to tell him this is pretty bad, actually. <laughs> and I found it more and more enthusiastically funny. 
the closer he got and the more full of um, joy that he found himself in. Nice guy that I am. Anyways, he comes over, he gets the ball out, and he's got his. He had his son playing in that day. Get your camera out, take some photos, and I think his son was first one to notice the coin um, eerily positioned on the green, about seventy centimeters from the flag. And yeah, there was that look of horror on his face as it all dawned on him that he'd been had, and that he hadn't scored a. So just cut out there, but oh. Set him up for a hole in one, eh? Oh, I wanted to hear how that <laughs> finished. So <laughs> that's cruel. You'd bash him, wouldn't you? Oh, that's dead set cruel, mate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, play it where it finishes. Finish it in the hole. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see the mark. I just no. picked that five cents up that I found. That's it. And I found five cents. Bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? uh... only wish it was $2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got five but, cents in their pocket to mark a ball now? That's crazy. Yeah. But uh yeah, you you wouldn't forget that one. That's that's a funny prank, but um yeah, you'd be pissed at the guy when you like no, yeah, mate, for sure. your ball's actually here. You're kidding. No. <laughs> and I wonder if he made the putt for a two at least. Yeah, that would have been interesting to know. He's probably like, This is this is shit now. What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like it's the last hole of the round because that would annoy you for the rest of the round, I reckon. <laughs> and speaking of hole-in-ones, we forgot to mention the Aussie, Travis Smythe, had a hole-in-one on the 17th on the second round at the That's Open. Right. Yeah. It was the only one all week, wasn't it? The only one, yeah. Mm. But uh, missed the cut, unfortunately, but uh, took will take away some sort of a prize and, you know, a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's it. All right, mate. Have you got a tip of the week for us? Oh, mate, my tip of the week, um, pretty much we spoke about it already and that was just staying in the moment. Um, how do you do that? Um, one little tip that I was given, and we've heard it before, uh, with Tiger, you know, instead of getting upset, you know, gives himself 10 steps. But another one that uh, I was told a little while ago was just to do some counting. So even just to stay in the moment and distract your mind from what you're even trying to get ahead or whatever, just count your steps as you're walking down the fairway. Just count your steps as you're walking onto the green. Just count how many steps, you know. You might count the 10, 20, and it just clears your mind from thinking about anything else and getting too far ahead because a lot of the times we get down there and, like you said, you think your ball's close and it's like your mind starts racing about making that birdie putt and making a birdie and making a score or my next shot, you know. How many times have you hit a good drive and you said to your playing partners, oh, I'll only have wedge in your hand from here. Mm-hmm. And you get there and you've already decided you're hitting wedge without even doing any calculations. So... Just to stay in the moment, and um, yeah, one way of doing that is just sing a song or hum a song or sing a song or, or yeah, just something simple like just counting your steps. So that's a good one because you know, I'm, it's hard to play in the moment, but then obviously on the weekend, you know, I was jumping ahead, going, "Oh, we'll better this hole, we'll better the next hole," and yeah, you know, it's easy. It's easy when you think, "Oh yeah, that's an easy par five, I can make birdie." But how many times you do that, and then you end up making worse score? Like you, yeah. you've got to hit the shots before you before you get there. So that's why they say one shot at a time and that's when you play your best golf, when you're just in the moment, okay, let's just concentrate on this shot. Yeah, and we'll get into a little bit more depth on another podcast. We haven't got time for this podcast. Um, a little bit about how the brain works and um, why golf is so tiring, um, working from the left-hand side of the brain to the right-hand side of the brain all the time and and how those two different sides work and how they conflict each other in the game of golf. So we'll talk a little bit about that at another time. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep the tips coming and hopefully – Try and keep it simple for everybody so they understand where we're coming from. Yeah, and you and you you listen to a guy that shot one under this weekend, so I would definitely <laughs> listen to that advice. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Once I, when I sh- shoot one under three weeks in a row, then I start listening to my own advice. <laughs> exactly so, right. But yeah, no, I'm still taking on advice. And, and you know, as I said, you take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, we're just trying to give you enjoyment on how you can enjoy your, your week of golf or your weekend at golf without torturing yourself. And just some funny little hints and tips along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, no point going and getting upset after you make bogey on the first or second or the third hole because you've got a long way to go. And um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that on another podcast where we talk about how the brain and, and the emotions work. So we'll get a little bit of expert advice in, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we'll leave it there for this week, mate. But um, all in all, it's been a great British Open. We've got to wait till April now for the next major. But we've got, you know, there's a big run to the finish now for the FedEx Cup. But yeah, it's all nearly FedEx done, Cup mate. Finish, mate. The live the live tournament uh, finals coming up too as well. Not to me. Yep. More of those events as well. So, yeah, no, the Open was was good. Um, anyone that's lucky enough to get over there and play those courses, you know, like uh, like Tony has with with St Andrews and that, reach out. Let us know. Like we'd love to hear the stories how you went over there. Yeah, exactly right. So, um, yeah, also. Next week, mate, we got we spoke to someone that uh, worked with Cam Smith, so that's a great interview next week. Yeah, that was a really good insight um, about life on tour with Cam so Smith and a couple of other guys. So, yeah, keep an ear out for that one. Until mm. then, enjoy your golf and um, happy golfing. Happy golfing. Thanks for listening to the Two Happy Golfers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Happy Golfers. Or you can email us at twohappygolfers at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Until next time, happy golfing. Happy golfing.